Awesome, welcome. All right, well, I'm super excited to get into the book of Daniel tonight. Um, we're going to begin our study tonight, in, uh, which is with a, an introduction and, and rolling in a couple of few, uh, cover a few verses, uh, probably up until verse 8 or 9. Uh, we're not going to go very far. Um, I want to just take this as low as, slow as possible and just uh, glean from everything, everything that the Lord has for us here in the book of Daniel. So go ahead and just turn your Bibles there to the book of Daniel with me, and um, I'll go ahead and get started. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us this time, Lord, to just study your word, Lord. Thank you uh, for Daniel, Lord, for his life, Lord, for his recorded words, Father God, for his recorded prophecies. And I thank you so much, Lord, that, that we get to just uh, glean from your word, Father God, and learn from it, Lord. I pray, Father God, that your word would just go through us as we go through your word, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the book of Daniel, just a brief introduction. Um, background here in the book of Daniel. Well, uh, the book actually takes place in the 6th century B.C., it starts in, in 605 B.C. with the first Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem. And, and that's where, where Daniel and his three friends were taken captive. Uh, Babylon actually invaded Jerusalem three times before burning the city down to the ground. And uh, Daniel was actually a contemporary of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, uh, along with Habakkuk and Zephaniah. Meaning that, that, that they prophesied um, around the same time, even though they, they never met, you know, they prophesied around the same time um, with Jeremiah, the prophet being the, being the oldest of the prophets. And also um, at the beginning of the book, uh, Daniel's just a teenager. Um, many commentators believe that he would have been anywhere around 14 or 15 years old. And at the end of the book, you know, he's an old man already, somewhere around 85 to, to, to 90 years old. You know, so just so we, we cover we cover a, 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 a lot of years in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel was written to to encourage the exiled Jews by by revealing God's program for them while they were in captivity, both during and after the time of their captivity. So you could just imagine these, these Jews, you know what I mean, as they're seeing their, their city burned down, as they're seeing their family members uh, taken captive, as, as, as they're ta- being taken into a new city, the city of Babylon, something that they've never seen before. I mean, and keep in mind that the, that the, the city of Babylon was huge. It was huge. Um, and so keep in mind, again, they're, they're taken captive from their homeland. You know, a lot of them are, 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 are young. You know, they're, 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 they're very young. They're seeing their parents maybe killed. You know, this is all new for them. And so the book of Daniel was written, again, to encourage the exiled Jews, you know, by revealing God's program for them while they're in captivity. And, and you could imagine that, that this would have been an, an awesome encouragement for them, you know, because here they are in captivity. They're going to be there for, uh, for 70 years. And yet, you know, they, they have God's word, you know, and, and they have God's promise of, of that, hey, you know, this isn't forever. This isn't going to be for, for a long time, you know, or at least not, not a very long time, 70 years. And, and God is going to co- come back for us. He's going he's gonna to free us. And so Daniel was written to encourage the Jews. And then in Daniel's writing, uh, half of the book um, is actually historic, you know, and, and the other half is prophetic. And we're going to get into both. And now Daniel lived and served in Babylon, which was uh, the central place for idolatry at the time. Yet he never compromised his convictions nor wavered in his loyalty to God. And that says a lot. That says a lot. That speaks a lot about Daniel and his time. And, uh, and that tells us that, that, that ministers to us as well in our time. You know, because again, Daniel lived and served in Babylon, which was the central place for idolatry. Yet he never bowed the knee. He never compromised his convictions. You know, he, he never wavered in his loyalty to God. So what does that tell us? Uh, it, it tells us that, that that us too you know can, can take a stand in this day and age and and us too can be a daniel in the times that we're living in and and so again he can minister to us in our day and age and, and that's the, the beautiful thing about the word of god not just the book of daniel but the, the whole word of god is that you know it ministers to us in our present situation no matter uh, what it may be 
And so Ezekiel, the, 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 the prophet, now, he actually referred to Daniel as a man of high wisdom. You can read that there in Ezekiel 28.3. And it's been said that, that the book of Daniel is to the Old Testament, what the book of Revelation is to the New Testament. And really, you can't understand the book of Revelation and, and, and a lot of the New Testament uh, uh, prophecies without understanding the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is, is key to understanding and understanding the prophetic, especially when it comes to the book of Revelation. Jesus referred to Daniel there in Matthew twenty four fifteen and referring to to what's known as the abomination of desolation, and so it was Sir Isaac Newton. I love this quote from him. It was uh, Sir Isaac Newton who said, "To reject Daniel is to reject the Christian religion." Man, and so with that, we'll go ahead and get into uh, into verse one of the book of Daniel. I'm going to go go ahead and read uh, from verses one through four. You can follow along, and so verses one through four says. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. We'll stop right there. So again, uh, the book of Daniel opens up uh, um, by, by, by quoting fulfilled prophecy. You know, and so, so, so again, uh, Daniel opens up his book. You know, he opens up his writings. He opens up, you know, his, th- his thoughts by quote by quoting fulfilled prophecy. What, what, what do I mean by this? You know, well, at this point in history, that Babylonian Empire had full control of the region from Egypt all the way down to the Persian Gulf. King Nebuchadnezzar had be, had begun his first of three deportations of the of the Jews from the southern kingdom of Israel which is known as Judah. Uh, the northern kingdom had already long been in captivity at this point to Assyria. And so the prophet Jeremiah had actually prophesied and he warned the king of Judah that this would happen as a result of the rebellion against the Lord. Now Isaiah the prophet also prophesied there in Isaiah 39, 5-7, you can follow along. Uh, he said, it says this, Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of the hosts, uh, behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried away to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the, in the palace of the king of Babylon. And if that wasn't enough, and listen to the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah there in uh, chapter 25, 8 through 12, he says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and, and will bring them against this land, against its, its inhabitants, and against the, these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them and make them as uh, an astonishment, a hissing and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, and the sound of the millstones and the, and, and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall, shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. 
Then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord. And I will make it a perpetual desolation. And that just amazes me. That just amazes me. So we read this, you know, and I think to myself, man, can we believe God's word? Can we trust God's word? I mean, if it says something that will come to pass, should we not? I mean, should we think of him as a liar? No. You know, God's prophetic word to, to Isaiah, to Jeremiah, it, it, it came true. You know, it came to pass. You know, and so if God has promised us something, you know, if, if God has given us something prophetic in his word or any promise, you know, we could believe God to be true. You know, and, and not a liar. We can trust God's word and God's promises to us as well. You know, if they stood true to, to Daniel, to Jeremiah, to the whole nation of Israel and, and the southern kingdom of Judah at this time, you know, then, then they stand true for us as well. You know, God is not a liar. The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. You know, and, and he can't lie because it, it goes against, you know, his very being, who he is. He cannot lie. And so we could trust God's word. We could trust God's promises to us. And, and that for me is just of great comfort, especially in this day of age and age. And so we're introduced to in the very first verse uh, to, to a king, uh, king of Judah, his name by, by the name of Jehoiakim. We're told that it's Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. And so history tells us that, that this was uh, 605 B.C., and that at this point in time, Judah had made a treaty with Egypt and sought them for protection. And so Egypt had invaded Babylon. And as a response, this young Nebuchadnezzar, Prince Nebuchadnezzar at this time, he hasn't, he's not yet king. You know, but at that time, uh, Prince Nebuchadnezzar chased them out and defeated them. And because Judah had allied, allied with Egypt, Nebuchadnezzar uh, overtook them as well. And then we're told, and we're told then there in verse 1 again. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim into his hand. Man. It was the Lord's doing. So there were mainly two reasons why God allowed Judah to fall into the hands of the Babylonians. One was uh, God was punishing them for the idolatry. And two, God was making up for their failure to give the land its Sabbath rest. Now, what, what do I mean by that? Well, when the children of Israel came out of slavery in Egypt and into the land God had promised them, the promised land, the land of the Canaanites, God through Moses gave them specific instructions concerning that land that he was, in, that he was to give them. And you can read about it there in Leviticus 25. Uh, verses 2 and 4, I'm going to go ahead and read it for you in the NLT. And this is God's instruction to the nation of Israel through Moses. He said, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land I am giving you, the land itself mu must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For six years you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your field or prune your vineyards during that year. So for more than 400 years, they neglected to give the land its rest as God had commanded them. You know, so they were allowed to till the, to till the ground for six years. But, but the, seventh, the seventh year, you know, God commanded them to do no work on the land. You know, and, and God was going to provide from that whole year. I mean, man, you would think man, you, you get a whole year off, you, off work. I mean, I... I uh, I would be excited for that, you know, knowing that you're getting a whole year off work and it's going to be paid, you know. And so th this was the deal that, that the Lord made with his people, you know, the seventh year, uh, don't work the land. But yet God was going to provide for them. But yet they, they neglected uh, to give the land its Sabbath year rest for about 490 years. And so now um, God was going to give his, his, his land its rest, you know, its forceful rest. Now, this is amazing. You know, so because after some time, you know, they probably figured uh, uh, that God had maybe forgotten about those words. 
you know, or maybe they thought that, that, that God didn't mean it, you know, when he said, oh, you guys better give the land a rest for 70 years. You know, they've gone on for more than 400 years, uh, neglecting God's command. And after a while, you know, they're probably thinking, oh, maybe God forgot. Maybe God's not looking. Maybe God doesn't care anymore. You know, uh, maybe he wasn't as serious as we thought he was about this, this command, about this whole giving the land its rest. You know, they were in, in, in direct sin and rebellion against God for over 400 years for doing this. You know, and I mean, the, whole, the, the idea behind this is, you know, that, that just because God's justice is prolonged doesn't mean it's going, it's not going to come. You know, just because his justice is prolonged, you know, doesn't mean it's extinguished. Just because his justice is prolonged doesn't mean it's not going to come. You know, for them, they probably thought it wasn't going to come. You know, they've. It's been you know, 100 years past goes by, nothing happens. 200 years ago goes by, nothing happens. 300 years goes by, they're, they're still working the, the land, not giving a rest. They're thinking they probably long forgot about God's command or, or they're not even pay, paying attention to it anymore. You know, they thought, man, well, maybe God forgot. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe, you know, it wasn't that serious. You know, but we see that, that, that God wasn't going to allow sin to go uncondemned, unchecked. And for us as well, for this world that we live in as well. You know, God is not going to allow sin to go uncondemned, you know, though it may seem like it, right? It's, it's easy to look around at, at the world today, you know, and, and see the things that are going on and see all the corruption, you know, in high places and government uh, uh, offices and in uh, the government pretty much, you know, nationwide and in and, our own cities. And, and you know, you, everywhere you, you, you look, you turn on the news and you see injustice, 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 you know, and, and, and it's, it's easy to think that, man, oh, all that injustice is going to go uncondemned, unchecked, but not so. You know, though it's prolonged, in the eyes of God, justice is not going to go unchecked. And so we can, we can vouch, you know, we can, we can bank on that. We know that for sure that, you know, that, that, that God is going to bring justice. You know, one at the second coming of Christ, you know, at the, at the judgment seat of Christ as well. And so uh, for the nation of Israel, for the, for the southern kingdom of Judah, it came. You know, 400-something years later, but it came. You know, they might have thought it wasn't going to come, but it came. And we're reading about it right now. And so we're told that among those captives, you know, in, in this first wave, you know, we're told that uh, those who were taken were the king's descendants. You know, it says some of the nobles. Uh, these were young men with no defects, good-looking, you know, sharp guys, young, wise, knowledgeable, with an ability to learn quickly. You know, so these guys were sharp. They weren't just any old dummy off the street. You know, when, when Nebuchadnezzar came and he, and, he, and, and he took all these guys captive, you know, he, he, he had a plan. You know, he didn't just take whoever he saw, you know, the first person he saw or the, or, or, or whoever didn't give a, give a fight back. You know, he, he had a plan. You know, again, he took, he took uh, the king's descendants, you know, the nobles, those of the royal lineage. You know, again, some of the nobles, young men with no defects, good looking, young, wise, knowledgeable, with an ability to learn quickly. You know, these were actually princes, you know, the royal family, not just anybody. You know, and, and what Nebuchadnezzar was doing was, was taking away any possibility of any other king rising up and rebelling against him once he leaves. That's what he was doing. I mean, he takes away anybody who's going to succeed the throne, you know, and with that, I mean, he has full control of the king, right? He takes away all the young guys, all the guys who are able to fight, all the guys who are smart, all the guys who are wise, all the guys who, who give the, the king any counsel. Uh, he takes the, the sharpest of the sharp, you know, and again, he, what he was doing is that he was taking away any possibility of another king rising up and rebelling against him. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar is, is, is not dumb. You know, he knows what he's doing. This guy is, uh, is, 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 is skillful in what he does. You know, he, that's what he does. He goes around he, and, and he conquers nation, you know, nations. 
uh, the nation of Babylon, the empire of Babylon became the strongest uh, of, of its day. You know, it became a, a, a world empire, you know, because Nebuchadnezzar was going around um, and as he was overtaking these cities, again, he would take captives. He would take the, the, the smartest of the smart. And instead of killing them, instead of, you know, making them slaves, he would use them for his advantage. You know, and that's what he was about to do with these young men from Judah. And so, again, he took uh, the best of what they had, you know, the, the men and also we're told that he took the articles of the house of God, you know, meaning um, all those priestly things and the finest young men of the royal family, you know, the kingly things. So he took both the priestly things and the kingly things. Now, you can imagine the despair that came upon the nation of Judah at this point. I mean, they've got nothing. They've been completely wiped out. Yeah, they have a king, but he's pretty much like a dummy king. Right. He has no power. He's just uh, listening to, to orders from Nebuchadnezzar now. You know, he's just a, a, a dummy king, you know, and. So we see that Nebuchadnezzar intended to brainwash these boys, you know, and, and, and turn them and, and, and have them serve under Babylon, right? It was, uh, it was Adolf Hitler, actually, who said, whoever has a youth has the future. Whoever has a youth has the future. And this was Nebuchadnezzar's mentality, right? Whoever has a youth has the future. You know, but these weren't ordinary boys. You know, though the nation as a whole had bowed the, the, the knee to idolatry, these four young guys worshipped and served the God of their fathers with a holy reverence. Daniel and his three friends, you know, these were um, just four among probably hundreds of, of young men who were taken. But yet the book of Daniel focuses in on, on Daniel himself and, and, and his three buddies. You know, because again, th these weren't just ordinary Jewish boys. Again, though the whole nation as a whole had, had bowed their knees to idolatry, you know, they had, they had allied with Egypt. They had allied with Egypt's gods. These four young men in specific worshipped and served you know, their, the, the God of their fathers with a holy fear and a holy reverence. And, and this is why they stood out. Notice what it says in verse 5. It says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the new wine which he drank and three years of training for them so so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king now from among those of the sons of judah were daniel hananiah mishael and azariah to them the chief of the eunuchs gave them names he gave daniel the name of uh, belteshazzar to hananiah shadrach to mishael meshach and to azariah abednego but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. We'll stop right there. Now, um, notice that the king didn't force these boys to learn the ways of the Chaldeans. You know, he didn't force them. He didn't say, all right, here you go. You know, uh, you have no choice. You know, now learn these books. You know, learn this language. Eat this food. No, he didn't force them. You know, he, he, he didn't force these boys to learn the way of the Chaldeans and, and, and serve him. You know, but instead they are taught and enticed. Not forced, but enticed. And enticed how? Well, we're told with the finest food that Babylon has to offer. I mean, they'd be eating what the king is eating. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine eating what the president is eating every single day? Right? I'm guessing ribeye steaks, you know, the, um, the, the, the filet mignon, you know, the, the, the best of the best. Right? They'd be eating what the king is eating himself. You know, they'd be eating from the, from the king's cafeteria. The best wine that the, that the vineyards of Babylon has to offer. I mean, they'd be separate from the common folk, from the slaves, from the nobodies. Right? They'd be kind of elevated with the elite. I mean, and the whole idea behind it, behind this is that, you know, it's like, all right, they, they, they get them used to the fancy stuff. You know, they get them used to the king's delicacies. They get them used to, to the finest of the finest foods there in Babylon. Um, 
and, 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 and they get them so used to it that they won't want to go back to their Jewish diets. Right? They're not going to force them to eat this. They want to entice them so that these, these young boys can make a, a, a decision for themselves and not want to go back to their Jewish diets. I mean, that's what the world tries to do to us, right? It, it tries to entice us with its delicacies. It doesn't force us to, to, serve, it, to serve it, right? The world doesn't force us to, to serve it. You know, our, 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 our sin, you know, our, our, all of our sinful pleasures, what does it do? It entices us little by little so that we make our own choice and we buy our, our wills to serve our flesh, to serve our, 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 our sinful nature, to serve this world, right? I mean, it, 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 this world, it gets us hooked on its best foods, so to say, you know, its finest pleasures, its latest gadgets, so that, when, so that we would become so hardened and comfortable in our position to not seek God. I mean, there are so many distractions today, guys. Right, I mean, I mean, I was so distracted even just driving over here. I'm trying to listen to a study, and I, and I'm just, I mean, I'm driving here. I'm looking at the billboards. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting distracted by all kinds of things. You know, commercials. It's like, man, the world is is, is moving at a thousand miles per hour. Right, just throwing things at you uh, with every mile, with every second. Right, you know, there are so many distractions, and and the agenda of the world, Satan's agenda, because he's the the the, the prince of this world, is to just bring, uh, bring you distraction after distraction. Right, and, and and his agenda is to entice you. He's trying to entice you to serve him, to serve the world, and to forsake God. And and how, how's he going to do that? With the the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He's going to put before you the best of the best that this world has to offer, so that you can make a choice to bow your will, to bow uh, um, yourself to the world and to and to its delicacies. Right? I mean, I mean, just look at this whole pandemic. You know, these online services, uh, no more in-person services. And how many people are just so comfortable, you know, just listening to, to, to studies online, just doing church online, not having to go in person anymore. Right. They're just completely comfortable and complacent. Not all of them. I recognize that there's a lot of them, you know, a lot of people out there who, who have serious, you know, um, underlying health conditions. And, 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 and for them, it's a life or death situation. You know, they, they get this, this virus, you know, and, and if they show up to, to church and, and, and get infected, I understand that. You know, but 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 they're the minority. You know, it's a small it's a small percentage of people, right? I mean, most people who who have gotten comfortable just doing uh, at home services, you know, are, have just gotten complacent. Now, uh, again, but but these guys, you know, these four guys, Daniel uh, and his, and his three buddies, you know, again, they were they were being enticed, you know, by by the king's delicacies, but they weren't having it. You know, they didn't fall for the the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You know, that was being offered to them on a silver platter. We're told that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's delicacies. Now, in the midst of a people who are, who are falling for the enticements of this world, I challenge you, dare to be a Daniel. Say, no, not me. I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to bite. You know, it starts with first making that firm in your heart, as Daniel did. You know, it says that Daniel, uh, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Now, I can say this with 100% confidence. I guarantee you Daniel didn't decide that, you know, when he got to Babylon. I guarantee you that, that, that Daniel didn't, didn't purpose in his heart uh, to not defile himself, you know, once the food was presented before him. I guarantee you that, that he didn't decide to, 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 to not defile himself, you know, when, um, again, when he, while he was being taken captive. No, I guarantee you that, that Daniel, being a man of God, being a man of integrity, that he had long ago, purpose in his heart that he was not going to defile himself you know against his god i guarantee you that 
And for us as well, you know, it starts with with first making that firm in our hearts. Not when we're not when when we're face to face with sin. Not when we're face to face with enticement. Not when we're face to face, you know, with with the things of this world. But no, but we're we're to make you know this this conscious decision, you know, in our heart. We're to establish it firmly before any any of those things come, so that when they come, you know, our decision could be already firmly stamped and 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 engraved in our hearts. Right again, Daniel first purpose in his heart before he did anything else. Before he went to Babylon, before he he saw the food, before he was asked, to, you know, uh, to eat this, before anything else, he purposed in his heart. You know, so it starts with with again with first making that that decision in your heart. Do not defy yourself, right? And so going on, again, we're told um, that that these guys, you know, that they were changed. You know, their, their, their names were changed um, again to. Uh, to Daniel, you know, was was given was given the name uh, Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, uh, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And again, verse eight. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, verse nine. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are, who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He said, please, test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. So what's going on? So here's Daniel. Again, Daniel and the guys, Daniel and the boys, they're brought before you know the, the, the chief of the eunuchs. And it wasn't just them four, you know, but it was it was all all the young guys that were brought from Judah. You know, and so uh, they were presented with the king's delicacies, and what the king was going to do is that he was going to fatten them. And if he was going to fatten them up, you know, he was going to give them what, what he was eating, and then after a few days, he was going to examine them, and he was going to pick, you know, like the choices of the young men, the, the best looking of the young guys, you know, pretty much like the the cream of the crop uh, of of these group of of young guys, and he was going to put those in, in his own uh, in his own government and, and under his own rule. You know, he was going to have them serve under him. And so Daniel, again, he purposed in his heart that he was not going to defile himself. And so he talks to the chief eunuch. And we're told here that, that, that the Lord gave him favor with this chief eunuch. I love that. I love that. Because when, when we commit our life to the Lord, I mean, we could be brought before kings. We could be brought before, you know, our bosses. We could be brought before, you know, the, the, the leading uh, secretary at HR, whatever it may be. You know, and, and God's going to give us favor. Right? I mean, I was so blessed uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, almost a month now. Oh yeah, a month, pretty much. Um, when uh, you know, as some of you guys know, we've told that that we we went to 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 Guatemala, you know, on a mission trip. And but before that, you know, I was able to take time off for the pastors' conference that I really wanted to go to. And now, the Lord really gave me favor because um, I was still on probation at my new job, and so I wasn't even supposed to ask for time off. But yeah, I, I, I threw my fleece out there. And I said, Lord, you know how much I want to go to the conference. And Lord, you know how much I want to go to Guatemala. And you've opened the door for me to go. And, and Lord, if it's really you, then, then, I, then I pray for that guy. You gave me favor and, I, and that you would give me the time off. And I put in my request and boom. I mean, it was just so smooth and, and they gave it to me, right? And I, I love that because that's the Lord. That's the Lord, you know, who fights on our behalf. When we belong to the Lord, when we... Um, 
uh, submit our will to him, you know, just give him our lives, you know, he's going to be in complete control. And, and, and we're told, the Bible tells us that, that, that God is able to open any door that, that, uh, that, that any door that, that he wants, you know, and he's able to open doors that no man can shut. So if it's, if it's of the Lord, then, then he's going to provide the way, you know, he's going to open the way. And so for Daniel and his buddies, you know, again, Daniel purpose in his heart, he was not going to defile himself. And so he he pleaded, you know, he, he petitioned the chief of the eunuchs. He said, look, man, he says, we can't eat this stuff, right? We're, we're Jewish, we're, 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 we're kosher, you know, our, 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 our laws don't permit us to eat this food. Now, please, you know, let us just eat salads, you know, instead of this meat, instead of this wine, let, let, us, just eat sal- let us just eat salad and water, you know, and, and, and so we want to defile ourselves. We want to honor our God. You know, now, I love this about Daniel because he didn't give any other excuse. He didn't try to kind of sugarcoat this or kind of hide the reason. I mean, he wasn't scared of any judgment. He wasn't scared of what this guy thought about him. You know, here he is. He's talking to the chief eunuch, you know, in the, in the nation of Babylon, you know, the, 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 the center for, for idolatry at the time. You know, these guys have hundreds of, of false gods that they worship, you know, and yet Daniel's saying, look, I worship the one true God, the God of my fathers, and I'm not going to defile myself, you know, by eating this food. I'm not going to defile myself against him. You know, he wasn't scared. He wasn't shy. He wasn't kind of beating around the bush. He wasn't scared to say, you know, that, that, that he was, uh, a, well, we could say a Christian, you know, that, 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 that he served God. No, but he said it straight up. He said it straight up. Right? I mean, I work when they ask me uh, um, why I needed the time off. I told them. I told them, well, look, I'm going to go to Guatemala. And they're like, oh, you're going on vacation. <laughs> no, I'm not going on vacation. I'm actually going with the church. We're going to go uh, put on a couple pastor's conferences. We're going to bless the people there. We're going to share... Um, uh, sure, sure. I did tell we're gonna share a message of hope. You know, um, we're Christians. This, that, the other. We're gonna go with a bunch of churches and pastors, and they were just like, "All right, cool." You know, they didn't. Maybe you know, they're not Christians. Maybe they didn't get you know converted because of my testimony. But um, again, I was able to tell them the truth. The truth, right? And, and I wasn't beating around the bush. I could have just said, hey, "I need time off for vacation." That's it. I could have, but yeah, you know. Instead, I told them exactly what I was gonna do, and 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 that that that's the way we should be, right? We shouldn't be scared. I mean. We shouldn't be shy. We shouldn't be, you know, afraid to, to, to tell people what we believe, right? I mean, we live in a, in a, in a cancel culture where you could get canceled for, for, for anything that you say that the world doesn't agree with. You know, if you say anything contrary to the agenda of this world, to the agenda of the government, to the agenda of, 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 of modern society, you know, you could get uh, canceled immediately right i mean it happens to celebrities it happens to, to people you know much more important than us and it happened to us right i mean if somebody says you know somebody well known says that hey man this is not not our religions are true you know the bible says that that jesus is the way the truth and the life and that nobody gets to the father nobody gets to heaven except by him i mean man so we can cancel for that easily right and so here's daniel you know not fearing cancellation not fearing his his for his own life even and he's saying, look, man, we worship God. We can't defile ourselves with this food. And so the eunuch's response, he said, he said, oh, man, he said, look, everyone's eating, you know, the, the, the best of the food. And, and if you guys just eat nothing but salads, you know, you're going to be all scrawny and skinny and pale, you know. And, and if the king sees that you're like that, then he's going to he's it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall on me. It's going to be my responsibility, you know, because it's my responsibility to, to feed you guys to make sure that, that you're nice and strong and presentable. And if you look like weaklings, you know, and when uh, before the king, when he examines you, that's my head. You know, I, I, I could lose my life. And so. What, what, does, what does Daniel say to this? You know, he says there in verse 15. Uh, and at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter and fleshed than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. 
Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Man, amazing. God backed them up, right? They took a step of faith. They said, look, we're not going to defile ourselves. We worship God. We honor God. We're not going to eat this food. And, you know, the guy says, I can't, I can't take away your diet. I can't put you on a diet. You know, you need to eat this food. You're going to be scrawny. And, and, and Daniel just sure of himself and sure of the God who, whom he serves. You know, he even, he even said, hey, look, put us to the test. He says, test your servants for 10 days and, 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 and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. You know, so for 10 days, they're like, all right, we're, we're, in, we're in this little testing period. You know, and he says, after 10 days, depending on how we look, then you decide, you know, if, 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 what we're going to eat. And so he, consent, he consented to that for 10 days. Gave him, he gave him fruits and, and vegetables and, and water. And after those 10 days, he said that, that, that they looked better in appearance than everyone else. Man, that's amazing. You know, uh, God backed them up. We see that we see that Daniel took that step of faith, right? He 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 took that step of faith and God backed them up. That's how it works, you know. Right? Faith along with works, right? You 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 step out of faith and, and God will back you up with the works. And so again, we're told that that these guys were after the ten days they were examined, they would look healthier than anyone else. And so the eunuch granted them their their special diet. And so from from now on, they're only, they're only going to eat vegetables and water. You know, again, verse seventeen. As for these four young men. God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king, meaning that they were like, Directly under the king, you know, they weren't just, you know, part of the organization. They weren't just part of the of the government. You know, they served directly under the king. They probably saw them every day. He probably knew them by name. You know, they, they probably dealt with them on a, on a one-on-one basis. You know, in the verse 19, then the king, sorry, 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were, who were in all his realm. That's just a lot. You know, because in all his realm, I mean, this probably would have been hundreds, if not thousands of guys that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar had under him. And and among all those guys, uh, uh, Daniel and his buddies, uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, you know, stood out from, from all these guys. Right? Man, uh, God is really backing them up. And verse 21, thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. We'll stop right there. Man, I just love this. You know, I love this because why they chose to honor God with their lives. And what did, what did God do? He honored them. You know, he put them in a position of authority. You know, he honored them. He, he, he poured his favor upon them. You know, he, he, poured, he poured his grace upon them. And, and, and he elevated their position in the government. Right? He's backing them up. I mean, I love this because why? Because they first, you know, decided to, to dedicate their lives to the Lord. You know, they had purpose in their heart that they weren't going to defile themselves. And God was with them. You know, and, and I, lo- I love that about God because he's he's not a far distant God, right? He's not this God who kind of just sees us at a distance, hears about us, you know, and uh, is, is, and is not aware of our of our current state or our or our current affairs. No, but God is a personal God. He's a personal God, you know, and, and he takes he he takes it personally, you know, when when somebody comes against one of his kids, one of his sons, one of his daughters, you know. And so here's Daniel, you know, he's trusting the God of his fathers, he's trusting his God. 
You know, he said, hey, look, man, put us to the test. God's going to back us up. God did back them up. You know, and then once they were examined again, it says that, 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 that to these guys, you know, they were given knowledge and, and, and skill and all literature and wisdom. You know, and, and Daniel had an understanding in all visions and dreams. And we're told that, that again, that among all the guys who were examined, these stood out from, from, from all of them. Now, that's interesting to me because, again, these guys who were taken captive were all taken captive from the, from the same nation, right, from Judah. They, they should have been all serving God. They should have all been worshiping God. They should have all been, you know, skilled in, in the law and, 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 and wisdom and all these things. But yet they weren't. You know, maybe, maybe for, and for whatever reason they compromised their lives. You know, I don't know. But, but, but these four guys, you know, who, who we know for sure had dedicated their lives to the Lord, again, they stood out. I love that. I love that. You know, what that tells me is that we could take a stand for, for the Lord in this day and age as well. We can. We can. we can. we can take a stand for the Lord in this day and age as well. You know, despite the current, despite the, 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 the way the world is going, despite the way society is going, despite the way, you know, that, 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 that modern thought is, is, uh, is, is going. You know, we could take a stand in our God. You know, we could take a stand in our faith. We could stand, uh, take a stand for God. You know, and God's going to honor that. He will. I guarantee you, you know, if you pray, if you pray to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I'm dedicating my life to you and, and, and I pray that you would give me wisdom. You know, he will. How do I know that? Because it's a, it's a promise from him. James tells us in the book of James, he says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives freely to all. You know, now in the Greek, what that, what, how that says is that since, since anybody lacks, if, if, if anybody lacks wisdom, but actually says since we lack wisdom. Ask God and He will freely give it to us. He will. He will. If you're at work, if you're at, at, a, at a job, at school, whatever, whatever, wherever you may be, I, I guarantee you, ask God for wisdom. You know, pray that the Lord will give you favor in your job and in those interviews. And He will. I mean, I've seen it countless times in my life. Right? And, and again, what God would do for, for, for one of His kids, He'll do it for all of His kids. If you could do something like that for Daniel, for uh, Hanani, Mishael, uh, Azariah, He'll do it for us as well. You know, so you could take comfort in that. Amen. We'll stop right there and we'll pick it up in uh, chapter two next week. God bless you guys.